You're listening to the PKJ and Yahweh podcast, where I take the supernatural world around us, connect it to complicated biblical theology, and then try and make it simple for everyone to gain revelation. If you're new to this podcast and would like more information, please go follow me on Instagram at kevin.scott.johnson. And now time for another episode from our apologetic series. Okay, so anyone want to like just shout out what their, their, the general consensus that maybe they think that of what karma is for me? Like just, I'm not asking for your opinion per se. I'm saying like, what, what is the general opinion or, or perception of karma? Clara, uh, all right, we'll go Clara because I did hear Haley did a pretty good job, but Clara, go ahead and share what's up. So, like, if you if you snag that parking spot that you had to cut off the old lady for in, in the mall because it was really close to the front, chances are, when you're an old person, someone's going to do the same thing to you? Okay. Yeah, but is, is, do you guys think that that's kind of like the summary of karma? Yeah. Would you, at least, at least of, I'm not saying your belief, but I'm saying, like, the belief of, of what karma is, yeah? Okay, well, today, uh, let me empty my pockets. I get so distracted by keys and stuff in my pockets. It's really fun. But um, thank you for doing that. That was that was a good exercise, and uh, I'll put that out my lens cleaner so I can see. So my glasses are really smudged this morning, so I'm gonna just not use them until I clean them. So I want to tell you a story about a child just like you, a child just like you. Type your neighbor says he's talking about you. Yeah. Okay. A child just like you, and in this in this scenario, okay, there is a parent. And they are reaching their wit's end with said feral child, okay? And uh, this wild beast of a young child. And, and, and finally, after fighting and arguing, the parent reclines in their seat, clearly defeated. And <sighs> the entire demeanor of the parent changes. And they look straight at that young child and say, you know what? Someday, I hope and pray someday you'll have a child just as wonderful and as precious and as lovely as you are right now. Bewildered, the feral child, stunned in a moment of contrary information and conflicting as he just got done doing a beautiful uh, demonstration of his dominance by slamming himself against everything that was nearby, including his body to the floor and whatever he could grab, clearly beating his chest as a gorilla would to assert one's dominance over another. And feeling that they had won as the parent's demeanor had become defeated. But something in those words resonated inside deeply within that feral child's DNA, saying, you've won the battle. And as time went on, he moved on from that place. Clearly, there was no more work to be done as he won. To either take a nap, find a snack, or invade another member of the tribe's household uh, and their territory to try and attempt and assert dominance over their space. Right? And, and this child uh, goes on, and, but as life goes on and he grows up and he's no longer a, a young pup, so to speak... The, 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 he, they start to gather around their family and their tribe, and, and they, would, they would see other tribes come over to their home and bring their feral children as well, and, uh, and, and, and they would talk about the story 
of their child, as if it was some sort of part of their culture or history or, or telling of the fables of old. And, and every time, at the end of the story, no matter how much older that child got and turned into a man, they would say again, someday you'll have a child just like you. Someday you will have a child just as wonderful and as lovely and precious as you. Now this child clearly does not continue to throw tantrums because maturity and uh, reason comes into play. However, as that echoes in his mind over and over in the retellings of the past, as if it's a future to come of someday you'll have a child just like you. Can't escape it. Oh no. Oh no. Anybody, anybody know this story? Anybody familiar? Have your parents ever told you someday you're going to have a kid too and I hope that they are and you'll, you'll see, you'll, you'll understand. Anybody? Or was it just me? No? Okay, a couple of us? All right, perfect. So, hey, and that, you know, to some degree, there are elements that we will go through in life where our children just simply are developing, and it's entertaining and awkward, and it's fun, more fun to laugh at hindsight than it is to endure in the moment. But, you know, this concept, it's, it, it's still rooted in a concept of karma, Okay, this, this, con this concept of karma. Well, you know, you were such a horrible, terrible, rotten child from the ages of like zero to like seven. But then you became a little bit nicer until you hit the age of eight and a half. No, I'm joking. Uh, but for real, it's, it's like, you know, but man, when you have a kid, maybe you'll, your kid will be just the same and you'll understand. When you have an 18-year-old son or when you have an 18-year-old daughter in your house, you'll know. Okay, like that's kind of the feeling and the hoping that eventually will come around. But... It's the you get what you deserve kind of mentality, right? Right? We get what we deserve, so to speak. But with this, I want to ask you, is karma, and this is a, how does how is it said? This is actually the question. Rhetorical or non-rhetorical? When I want to say something, saying I want to ask you, but I'm actually not asking you to answer me right now. Which one is it? Rhetorical or non-rhetorical? It's rhetorical. Thanks for the grammar lesson. So I'm going to ask you a rhetorical question right now, which you can answer a little bit more in depth in your small groups in just a little bit. Is karma a biblical concept? Is karma a biblical concept? Okay? So let's take a look at what the Bible has to say about it and what even Buddhists and Hindus compare the Word of God to in their Hindu belief and Buddhist beliefs. Okay? Taking a quick peek, the Bible talks about sowing and reaping. In fact, Buddhists reference the Bible in Jesus' own words. Did you know that when they're talking about karma? They literally reference not just the Bible, but a portion of Scripture where Jesus himself is speaking. If you take a look at Mark 4, 24, I think I can put it up there. Uh, Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. This is a key verse that, that Buddhists and, 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 and Hindus and, and, and the, the, the faith that believes in karma use to say, you know, your Jesus is just the same as ours. We're preaching the same gospel, it's just by a different name. Okay, that's interesting. And, and so he's saying to the standard that you use, so like if you are very a very aggressive person, okay, you're a very, you're a very angry person, you like to pick fights all the time. Well, guess what? You're going to find yourself in a lot of fights because that's the type of person you are. You pick fights, now people are going to pick fights with you. I was watching a Western last night. Where's my, where's my, where's my Western fans? Anybody here? No? No Western fans? Like, okay. Oh, cowboys? You know? Like, come on. Guns? Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Perfect. A couple. Man, I just want to make sure I was still alive with you guys. Like, if you don't like guns, like, I mean... 
that's okay, but uh, I love you anyways. Uh, so moving forward, and it was this whole concept of this guy who went away, typical Western, he went away to uh, the, the army, right, as a younger guy, the note to serve in, in the early, you know, West, uh, Western days. And, and so he, he did his time, but then he became this, like, infamous outlaw, you know. And as time went on, he realized he no longer wanted to be part of that life. He heard God word uh, that, you know, he wanted, he wanted to leave that life and be different because something really tragic happened. And so he comes home and he's trying to leave this life, but this life keeps chasing him. People know his name. People know his face. He's no longer carrying a gun, but they want to pick a fight with him. And, and continue, it's like, man, no matter how hard I try, it's like God didn't design my life. It's like, it's like it's because it's, it's like God is, is making me pay for what I did. Or in fact, there's a whole part where he's all mad. He's like, there is no God because I didn't choose this life. This life was pushed on me. And if there was a God, he wouldn't have chosen this life for me. And so it's like this whole concept of, man, I can't escape my past. What I did will catch up with me eventually. But by what uh, the measure I use will be measured against me and to an even greater level. Well, the Bible goes on to say in Galatians 7 through 9, if you take a look, but the, the main emphasis is what a man sows, he will also reap. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. It's up on the screen if you want to read it. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Somebody say amen. That's good scripture. Come on. The Word of God, you can always shout an amen at. And this is, this is the concept again that... that uh, Buddhists and, and uh, Hindus and, and people who stand by the karma concept would quote and state you. It's like, well, you know, what you what you will reap, what you sow, you'll get what get what get what you put out, it'll come back to you. Hmm. Okay, that makes that makes enough sense alone. Uh, you know, if another translation says, "For one who sows to his flesh, from the flesh will reap corruption, and but the one who sows to the spirit will reap from the spirit eternal life." So. Have you ever guys, have you guys ever done like, you know, tried to plant a pumpkin seed or anything like that, you know? And yeah, I mean, I've never planted, I've planted a lot of seeds and grown a lot of nothing, but I've never in my life planted a seed and it grew, I planted a pumpkin seed and it grew a watermelon. Like, that's just, that's just not how it works. You don't plant an orange seed and grow an apple tree. Like, that's just not, that's just, everyone say science. science. There we go, yeah. So, so what he's saying here in the Word of God is, you know, if you, if you plant, if you sow wickedness into your life, guess what? You're going to grow a plant of wickedness in your life, and you're going to reap the ramifications of that. Okay, so here we're still trying to get the perspective of why people would think that karma is biblical. Last verse, you know, you'll get what's coming to you, right? You'll get what's coming to you. I'll come to, to the last verse in a second here about the golden rule. But it's a lot like sin, you know. Man, sin, I screwed up, and man, I'm going to, you know, I guess I'm going to get, I guess I'm going to be, you know, in trouble again. And, and when we keep screwing up, we keep doing dumb things, like you feel that shame, you feel that guilt, you feel that not again. I hate myself. Why do I keep reacting this way? Why do I keep thinking this way? So dumb. I just wish I could stop. That's because sin is death, and it eats you up on the inside. You see, so the last main point that they try to, that they communicate that, oh yeah, karma in the Bible is a biblical principle, is Matthew 6, 12, where you see actually Jesus speaking here. Boom. Uh, 
Boom. This is the highlight. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors and lead us not to temptation but deliver us from the evil one. And you see um, there's another part right before that, I think, 612. Um, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law of the prophets. That's known as the golden rule in the Bible. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Anybody heard of that before? All right, just let me know you're awake. And if you heard of that concept before, raise your hand real high so I can see it. Yeah, oh my goodness. I should start throwing candy at people who raise their hands. Maybe I would, it would inspire me, but, um, you know, candy's candy. Um, but with that, what do unto others as you have to do unto yourself. The word says, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, actually, for this is the law. Not do unto yourself, but do unto them, right? So, do unto others as you would desire for them to do unto you. That's, that, that, that's karma, isn't it? Isn't, isn't that karma? I mean, maybe someone could really convince you of that. Perhaps it's just a matter of semantics. You know, anybody, anybody you know, grammar people here, you know what the word semantics mean? Basically, it's like, you say tomato, I say tomato, right? You say potato, I say potato. Uh, you know, you say, I'm going down to the creek, but your friend's like, you mean the crick? Yeah, it's the same thing. The creek, the crick, it's, the, it's, it's a matter of semantics, like... Like, you say karma, I, I, say, I say the golden rule. I, you say karma, I say sowing and reaping. It's, and and maybe, maybe it's just a matter of semantics, you know. Um, for me, I say the other day. <laughs> Some people would say four and a half years ago. But I mean, to me, it's the same thing, you know. So, but here, here in, let me look at this concept of sowing and reaping, the golden rule, karma, semantics. What, what is it then? This dog, big Great Dane, okay? You ever seen a Great Dane, you know, relieve himself and leave a steamy pile? It's, it's about as big as my small dog, it's a, it, which is a Yorkie Chihuahua, okay? So this young man, he has a Great Dane, and he invited, uh, he, there's a new kid in the neighborhood that moved in. He invited this neighbor to come over and play with his PS5. Because he, he's like, sweet, let's play with the PS5, you know? All right, let's go. And so, so the young man shows up at his house, and, and he's like, "All right, man, let's let's go, uh, uh, let's go." And, and they go out to the backyard, and and he fires up his lawnmower and proceeds to, with his tall boots on and his new friend, mow over every single giant pile of great dang, great dung. Okay, and 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 he he just laughs and loves the explosion, and the, and the young. Man who just moved in the neighborhood is a slightly dazed and confused. He's like, I thought we were going to play like PS5. Maybe his dad like wants him to do chores or something really quick. Like, you know, all right, I'll, I'll just kind of help him here. You know, like, let's get this done. Like, weird, he has to pick up the poop. So like every time the kid hits the pile, he, it, the eruption of smell and stench and yuck, it like makes him laugh. And I'm like, that's just wicked and awful. And, they, and then and finally they're done mowing the backyard and the guy's like, oh, hey man, I gotta, I gotta go. I'm, I'm heading to class and uh, you know, I, I got some stuff tonight, but hey, come back tomorrow and we'll play my, we'll play my PS5. He's like, oh, okay, all right. And so the kid goes home, man, maybe something came up. Maybe something was going on. And, and you know, well, tomorrow we're going to play the PS5, okay? The kid goes back again the next day and, and a similar, almost strangely exactly the same scenario happens okay 
And he's thinking, oh, man, maybe he's not a really strict dad. I haven't met his dad yet. I, I don't want to get in trouble. Maybe, like, for him to play the PS5, he has to always first mow the yard. And, and, and he does it again. And this happens, you know, a couple times over, over the next couple weeks. And every time afterwards, the young man is like, hey, I'm sorry. Like, hey, let, want to do this again tomorrow? Like, like in a couple days, uh, you know, like, like, come back and we'll play my PS5. And he's like, okay, okay. As time went on, he finally discovered that when he was saying PS5, he was referring to Power Stroke 5 horsepower lawnmower, okay? And that is what he was, and, and he was playing with his Power Stroke 5 horsepower lawnmower, and the game that he enjoyed was running over the landmines his dog left behind because it made him laugh and understand it. He didn't, he didn't own a single video game system his whole life. He, he's got some of those really strict parents. He didn't even know a PS5 was a thing. He just short-named his Power Stroke five horsepower lawnmower his PS5. Eventually, this young man stopped going over to play, obviously. You see, his strange perspective of understanding one thing was not yours. But because you applied your perspective onto his, you're left smelling a little funny and disappointed. You see, that's the challenge that we come across in a lot of things in our life, is we apply our perspectives and our understanding of things as if they're the ones that are setting the, the bar. Oh, yeah, I mean, I'm smart, I'm intelligent, I'm American, I live here in the great United States, and, and clearly I must understand everything much better than much other, many other people. I'm saying that facetiously also because, you know, I am the definition of, of uh, you know, what's wrong in the world. I'm white, I'm straight, I'm married, uh, and I'm a male. So, you know, literally I am the reason there's sin on this earth, you know, uh, if, you, if, if you're in woke theology. But I want you to hear this quote. I've got a couple fun quotes to share with you. And they're not just from the Bible. The ministry of peace concerns itself with war, the ministry of truth with lies, the ministry of love with torture, and the ministry of plenty with starvation. These contradictions are not accident, nor do they result from ordinary hypocrisy. They are they are deliberate exercises in doublethink. George Orwell, 1984. Doublethink, if you wonder what that is, this is an old concept that someone made up in a book, that, but I thought it was interesting to share this morning. It's, it's the acceptance of or mental capacity to accept contrary opinions or beliefs at the same time, especially as a result of political indoctrination, which could be beyond political. So, all right, Pastor Kevin, it's just words. It's just karma. It's just golden rule. It's just sowing. It's just words. Okay, boomer, like, get over the words. I mean, it's just words, you know? Like, no, let's, let's take a look at what else that writer also said later on about words. I like it. If you control the language, you control the argument. If you control the argument, you control information. If you control information, you control history. If you control history, you control the past. He who controls the past controls the future. Well, you know, my Bible says in Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge since you have rejected my knowledge. So is, is, is karma and, and sowing and reaping the same thing or, or are we just, let's be honest, I'll raise my hand too at a time in my life, a lazy believer in Jesus and don't really put the energy in to know what we believe in and what we're accepting in our life. Right here, I'm raising my hand. You don't really have to raise yours, I'm just raising my hand. You see, 
It's all this concept of newspeak, as it were, in this book, as George Orwell would go on to say. Don't you see that the whole aim of newspeak, which is this concept of rewriting the meanings of words, is to narrow the range of thought, and in the end we shall make thought crime literally impossible because there will be no words in which to express it. You see, we cannot apply our Western worldviews onto Eastern worldviews. Not because we're racist, not because we're better than them or they're better than us, because it doesn't work. Because you cannot overlay two completely contrasting cultures and say they're exactly the same. You want to know why? I'm going to, I'm going to tell you exactly why you cannot just overlay cultures and, and genders and everything and say they're, oh, they're all the same same. Uh, there's a quote from this great book by, uh, um, I'll tell it to you later because I didn't write down his name. The work of egalitarianism and multiculturalism did not lead to the affirmation of all that is unique and glorious in masculinity or femininity or the various cultures of Africa, Asia, Latin America, and the Middle East. Totally neglects what's beautiful and wonderful about them. But rather to the collapsing of all the distinctions in favor of Marxist identity politics that reduce people to their race, class, or gender without imbuing them with any kind of essential worth. Well, everybody's exactly the same. Oh yeah, your culture in, in Hinduism, like, yeah, it's basically my culture too. Like, just we use different words. Oh, yeah, you know, Christian, that, you, we got, you got yoga, I've got Christian yoga. Like, no, yoga is literally like only used to work, like, like when it came to America, it, it got the Coke bottle glasses on it and it transformed something. It's not, you cannot go into, uh, into India and ask anyone who is a Hindu and ask, can yoga be separated from the spiritual worship of your gods. Can it be separated? No, it cannot. They are one and the same. Oh, interesting. So we got Christian yoga classes. So, let's take a quick peek here. What then is karma? Anybody asking what karma is yet? No? Everyone look at your neighbor and say dog poop. No, I'm joking. Alright, I'm trying to get you guys to think twice, wake you up, alright? Remind you of that awesome PS5 story. So, what is karma? Why is it the same thing as sowing and reaping or the golden rule? Karma. It's a Hindu term, okay, that refers to the idea that we have many past lives. During the course of each past life, which we uh, incurred a moral debt. Everyone say moral debt. I don't have any slides for this whole long thing. You might see the casteism up there, but I'll get to that in a minute. Which that moral debt is called, everyone say, karma. Oh, wow. Thank you, the three people in the front row. Everybody say karma. Karma. There we go. All right. Um, but we build up and contribute uh, enough good in each of our lives to try and pay off those debts, those old bad karma, because there's bad karma good karma. Eventually, you get to a good place. Everyone say good place. Good place. Where you no longer have bad debts pay off in your karma bank. Then you escape the death and rebirth cycle of reincarnation known as samsara, okay? Where death of the, of the individual person uh, and their, releases their energy into the world and is passed on to a new creature. And that, that is why they don't kill cows, because cows are actually considered one of the most elevated, almost to God's status, um, individuals in India. So, but the death and rebirth process is very painful. It's considered uh, to be dukkha, K 
Okay, an unsatisfactory and painful cycle that stops only if liberation is achieved by insight or the extinguishing of craving. You guys, do you guys get that? That's like a very literal translation of what it is. Basically, what you did in a past life, you will pay for in this life. And to some degree, what you do in this life could also incur more moral debt for you, depending on what you're doing. And when you die, okay, now you are waiting to be reincarnated. You are a spirit person in this spiritual realm. And it literally, as, as described by them, uh, by, by Hinduism, is you are, it's like a customize your character loading screen. I'm not, I'm not joking, at the beginning of the video game. You, you get to choose from your list of, of wrongs that you've done, which you will are willing to endure in this next life before you are then birthed again. And so you say, oh, man, you know, I, 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 my spirit that has been with me for thousands of years and, 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 and you know, hundreds of different generations of, of individuals and creatures, I'm choosing to select, man, you know, this one's going to be hard, but way back in Genghis Khan days, like I was... I was wicked, and I, I was, you know, I raped a lot of people, and, and I was bad, and I got to pay that debt sometime, and I think that I've paid enough debts now that I'm ready to endure this and learn the lesson I need to learn from being such a wicked person. So I'm going to take this one and have to learn what it is to be on the other side of what I dished out back in my days when I raped and pillaged village after village. Okay? <laughs> Boom, you're birthed. Okay? You're now alive, you're now a baby, and now this means your life, while you are alive, will have to endure the same kind of torture and abuse that you dished out until however many iterations of you it takes for you to gain the perspective and the freedom that you need to be able to ascend out from that, to have the remorse that you needed, to understand, man, what I did was wrong, I will never do it again, give me perspective. You know, the challenge with this worldview is that the problems they face are now because they owe a debt for some terrible thing they did in a, a previous life. And the sooner you learn your lesson and achieve perspective and compassion, the sooner the debt will be paid in full. And the next incarnation, you'll be able to choose a different debt and no longer have to deal with that one. Now, during this, they're attempting to pay off debts, obviously you might incur more, but, you know, the challenge with all of this is the caste system. And that, that's built from uh, the concept of karma and Hindu belief. You guys all right? I think, it, I think it's kind of interesting. Stretch if you need to real fast. We're in, the, we're in the home stretch. The caste system divides Hindus into four main categories. Brahmins, uh, please forgive me if I pronounce this wrong. I can look up Kshatiras, uh, Vishyas, and Shudras. Many believe that the groups originate from Brahma, the Hindu god of creation. Now, the challenge here is you have an entire worldview, an entire uh, now governmental system, which has been opposed, uh, and, and there's been conflict with it since the 1980s, I'll admit that, but it's still very strong and very alive, especially in the Hindu uh, religious circles and uh, leaders. They still ascribe to it. The concept is you stumble upon some woman being beaten, and you know she's about to be physically and sexually assaulted. Don't you dare go interrupt what's happening. Why? That person is, is simply trying to pay off the debt that they incurred in a past life. 
And if you stop that man from abusing her, she will have to live another life cycle, perhaps many more, until that person, that woman, has endured the same pain and torture that the male version of her 3,000 years ago did to somebody else. So don't you dare interrupt, because by doing so, you will delay their ascension. She must endure it in this life, so she can be free from it in the next incarnation, and be able to move on to the next. You see, it's, we think, oh, it's just a concept of what goes around comes around. It's totally garbage. It, it, it totally is. It, is. it is 100% not a biblical principle to think that we must continue to pay for the sins that we have done in the life we live now, let alone some concept of we may have been a horrible, brutal individual thousands of years ago, and, I, and now I must endure this because my spirit that was alive in the, in the heavenly heavenlies knew that I could handle it. So I will endure this punishment and abuse and sexual assault on my body and physical abuse because my spirit man believes I can. So I will take it and I will endure it and I will gain perspective so I may attain ascension and deliverance from this. It's a wicked mindset that says there's, you know, it's not just a good versus bad, it's sinister. It's not even, it's not eye for eye, but it becomes one where there is zero hope. Finally, the last state of karma is Moshe. Everyone say Moshe. Okay. It takes thousands of incarnations. But then you finally are in the place where you have no moral debt left to pay. And you are a perfect being. And it's usually only confirmed by the, their eliteness by the masses. Oh, this person's amazing and awesome and so blessed and ha ha ha. It's a works-based system, however, of salvation, destroying atonement. You know, less, I gotta, you know, I gotta increase my vibes. You know, like, like I, I got, I just gotta be on the right resonance level. I just gotta balance my chakras. There's no freedom in that ideology. It's all works based. And thank God we have a Colossians two fourteen, having canceled the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and He has taken it out of the way. That is Jesus, having nailed it to the cross. You see, there is judgment for us to come. We will all stand before God. But in that, on that day, when judgment happens, and we are before the one and only eternal God, and all of our life's work, all of the wrong we did, all the good we did, is on display for all to see. There will be a man. As you're being judged before the perfect eternal God, will get up, from that judgment seat. And he will come down. And will say. All that I've taken because. She said. I will follow you Jesus. She said. I accept your freedom and your forgiveness. All that junk you did. Every time you did it. That's for all to see now at this judgment. Actually I did that. That's on me. I'm going to take the penalty for that. I'm going to take the price for that. What was the price? The price was death. The price was the crucifixion of Yeshua Jesus. You see this concept of karma that we must continue to go around and go around until we figure things out is totally whack. Karma, there's no peace. They're in a life of suffering. The fear of the Lord, as Proverbs 19.23 says, is life. We must trust God. Christians wouldn't trade the gospel 
the cross of Calvary for karma, but it could become part of their, their process, their thought. Oh, I mean, I guess it could be biblical. I mean, yeah, sowing, weeping, et cetera, et cetera. You see, either Christ paid for our sin in full, completely at the cross, on his death and upon his resurrection, either he paid for it completely or he didn't. My Bible tells me he did. Paul, one of the most Christian of Christians, resolved to know nothing but Christ and him crucified. Clearly that's enough. 1 Peter 1.24 says that Jesus bore our sin. He was bruised for our iniquities, and by his stripes we were healed. Jesus said, it is finished, while he was taking his last breath on the cross. Everyone say, it is finished. Come on, everybody say, it is finished. It is finished. Is it finished? Or do we have to miss that parking spot because one time we cut someone else off? Is it finished? Or is it uh, you know, I was a real jerk to my friends, so I probably should expect them to be a jerk to me. Well, there is the law of sowing and reaping. If you want to be a jerk, guess what? You're going to get people that are probably jerky around you until you change your attitude. But it's not an eternal weight of sin and debt you have to pay. Believing in Christianity and karma strips the grace of God from our lives and deceives the believer into a works-based salvation. I'm going to hop here to the end. Let me ask you real quick again. Is karma biblical? What do you think? If you're not shouting no yet, then, then I, I, I don't know if I can communicate much more outside of letting the word of God communicate itself. Let's all stand. I'm going to read this, this last bit of scripture, and then we're going to dismiss the groups. The only thing that you can hold fast to is not a combination of multiple worldviews and concepts, not even Western worldviews, not even, I'm an American, dang it, I'm a citizen of the United States. No, we're a citizen of heaven first, period, period. So what does the word say then? It says, it tells me, especially in contrast to this concept of karma, that Christ died once for all. Colossians 2, 8 to 15, come on, this is good. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world. Karma, Buddhism, Hinduism, atheism, agnosticism, and much more. And not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Verse 10. And if you have been filled in him, who is the head of all head of all rule and authority, in him you were also you also were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism. If you haven't baptized, enjoy today. We're gonna to watch Emma and Justice, I believe, get baptized. And if you want to jump in there, tell your parents right now after second service being baptized in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through the faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, that is our life and punishment and death. But he nailed it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities by putting them to shame and triumphing over them. Bow your heads, close your eyes. I'm going to read this last bit of word over you. Hear what the word of God is speaking to you. Preach way better than I ever could. 
if you with Christ, if with Christ you died to all the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Referring to things that perish as they are used according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed, have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made man religion and asceticism, which is severe self-discipline and avoidance of all forms of indulgence, typically for religious reasons, and severity to the body. But they have no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. If you have been raised with Christ, seek things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are the earth. For, have, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Come on. Not because you didn't have good enough karma, but because of Christ. Put on them God, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another as if a as if no one if one has complained against you, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, because if you don't love, you won't get into heaven. No, this is guidelines for how people in Christ live, not for how people in Christ are saved. We are forgiven. We will stand in glory with God because of our confession. Put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called and to one body be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching you and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart in God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, not in the name of karma, in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We must reject the lie. It's not synonymous. It's not semantics. It's separation from true freedom in Christ. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, the next time you think about saying, oh, that's karma, or your friend says that or otherwise, just remember, when you're saying karma, you're not saying some Western view of karma. Karma is always and will always be a Hindu, Buddhist, religious term of paying off moral debt. It cannot be transformed to something else. It is what it is. Just like that PS5. Just because our perspective is, is different does not change what it is. So Heavenly Father, help us. When we think of those times, we're like, oh yeah, it's karma. And karma's no big deal. I mean, it's kind of like the Bible. No, we would think about that poor woman who is that poor child that poor individual right now who's alive and underneath this caste system in india and when people observe them being abused or punished or they're the abusers and the punisher they know that oh man every time i abuse this woman or this child i'm just helping them pay off the moral debt so i'm actually doing a good work because i'm helping them get free and pay off the debt that they owe we would see and expose the lies of the wicked ways of the world that's evil. God, let us cling to the cross, the only thing that can set us free and deliver us. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like more information about the show, Kevin's work, or you have questions or would like to be a guest on this podcast, please reach out to me directly on my Instagram at kevin.scott.johnson. I look forward to hearing from you. God bless.